Welcome back to the Gathering Place of All Nations weekly Sunday service. We hope you had a great Thanksgiving. This past Sunday, our very own Pastor John Irving spoke a godly message that we hope you're ready to hear. Let's check it out. Father, prepare our hearts for your word this morning, for the expectation of what God is going to do this month in October. Father, we thank you for all that you're about to do in our households, our families, our finances, our health, our church, our community, our country, Lord. There is a shift that has taken place, and we want to step into the new that you're doing and not stay back and look and say, wow, that was good the last 10 years. We want to press on. We want to press upward for the high calling of Christ Jesus. So, Father, just come this morning, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, um, I've said this once before, I think, but... And I'm not an expert on this. If Fred was here, he's, he's quite, a, quite an expert on this stuff as a hunter. And we had a, uh, John and I had a lesson from him this week over lunch about all the different uh, hunting and rifles and shotguns and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but there's a big difference between a rifle and a shotgun. Again, I am not. Mo should be up here telling me this, saying this. Uh, but I had a rifle and I had a shotgun when I was a teenager. They were my dad's and I got my hunting license and all that fun stuff. Uh, but a rifle, like a 22 caliber a rifle, has one piece of lead. Uh, it, the caliber of the rifle can increase. I think 22 is probably the smallest. <laughs> all right, but it's one bullet. And then I had a 410 shotgun. Anybody know a 410 shotgun? You get a cartridge, and there's lots of lead pellets in there. And the idea of a rifle and one bullet is to hit specifically on one point, to hit the target at one area. A shotgun is to scatter, all right? Now, a lot of messages preachers preach are like a rifle, shotgun. They're going for one thing. They're going for souls. They're going for salvation. They're going for this issue or for that verse. All right? But then there's sometimes the scattered. There's the shotgun. That's what today's message is going to be. There's going to be different things that you may, uh, different people are going to get different things because it's all over the map, this message. All right? In some ways. And so whatever the Lord says to you, you know, the Bible, we're going to conclude later today, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. And I want to say that right up the front. Have ears to hear. You know, I've been in messages uh, and places, even some dry churches. I've been to United Church and holidays and a few, I, I, whenever I'm on holidays, I like to get out to other ch churches some of them are traditional, some of them, you know. As long as they read one scripture in the service, I can be blessed. I can take that, that verse at a wedding, at a funeral, in a church service, and God can begin to sow life into me, and, and I can receive, no matter what the atmosphere of the whole place is. Because one verse, the, the, power, the power of scripture, there's such power, all right? 
And so today, uh, and, and, and then I might go off in kind of a, a daydream or whatever, and, and I not even hear what the preacher's saying, but God's speaking to me in the service. I, I want to give you permission today that if you hear a verse or you hear an illustration and all of a sudden that moves you, you can forget about the preacher and let God speak to you the rest of the service. All right? That's okay. If God's speaking to you, that's better than me speaking to you. All right? So now if you're thinking about your turkey dinner that's home, maybe that's not so good, but maybe God can, God will take care of your turkey in the oven at home. Um, today is not only Thanksgiving, Canadian Thanksgiving, and for our American friends that are here, I, I want you to know that Canada has the date of the Thanksgiving accurate. Those Americans, they got, there's no harvest in the end of November. But there's another reason why I believe our date is pretty accurate. And that has to do with the Feast of Tabernacles. Do you know that today begins the Feast of Tabernacles for seven days? And then the eighth day is the great and final day. And we won't go into that feast today too much except to give just a little little tidbit here, uh, but we'll get into it next week. We'll, we'll get into probably John 7, 8, and 9 uh, next week and talk about these great and incredible things that God did. Um, but let me just say a couple things about Sukkot. Sukkot is the Hebrew word for Feast of Tabernacles. We've had the Feast of uh, Trumpets. That's on the first day of the seventh month. The 10th day, last Wednesday, was the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. And then we start a week-long celebration five days later on the 15th of the seventh month called uh, Sukkot. And this is an incredible, joyous time. This is the culmination of all the feasts. This is the culmination of the calendar of God. The first four feasts have been fulfilled, Passover through uh, Pentecost, they've all been fulfilled by the, the Jesus' death on the cross and the giving of the Holy Spirit. And if God did all those on his calendar, on his appointed days, his rehearsals, the uh, rapture, uh, the uh, other feasts, the other uh, prophetic words are going to happen on his calendar as well. And so anyway, the Jewish people... It's called the Feast of Tabernacles, or another word is the Feast of Booths. And what the Jewish people, remember uh, when Moses went to Pharaoh, he said, let my people go that they might worship me in the desert. And when they went into the desert, they built huts, they built booths, tents. And so the Jewish people remember this time of being in the wilderness by building a booth. All right, and then they eat their meals as a family in those booths, and they keep it up for the entire Feast of Tabernacles. I thought about putting one in here, but I thought, I don't know if I want to mess up John's wonderful. I think I might have a, an obstacle here, but maybe next year, when it's not quite so new. We'll see. All right. Um, in the book of John, 
chapter 1, verse 4, all right, it says that Jesus became flesh and tabernacled among us when he was born. He, he took on flesh. And so we will continue this next week, but I, I, I don't think I would be amiss if I didn't bring this up this morning. There's a commanded blessing. There's a, there, there is a, a time when we acknowledge the feasts of God, that God moves in a pronounced way. And so we will pick this up, this theme next week. A couple of Thanksgiving quotes. I just want to, I love quotes. And I've got about 50 to 100 of them. I've narrowed it all down to about five or six. All right. Anybody remember Jim Elliott? Yeah. Uh, a missionary in South America, was killed. Uh, his wife, Elizabeth Elliott, she came to our Bible college many, many years ago when I was there. And she brought in this sword, and, and she, oh, she's an incredible lady. Well, she said this, God has promised to supply all of our needs. Isn't that what he said? I'll supply all your needs, just like our brother said. What we don't have now, we don't need now. Yeah. All right? Uh, Charles Spurgeon said, It is not how much we have, but how much we enjoy that makes happiness. If you're constantly thinking about what I don't have and it's pulling you down, that is a problem. Enjoy what you do have. Yeah. All right? Uh, David, Dr. Jerry, David Jeremiah said, no matter what our circumstances, we can find a reason to be thankful. Amen. And I know there are people that have gone through loss, hurt, death, pain in this room. I know some people are going through addiction, struggles, depression, even in this room and within our households and families. People are going through illness, financial struggles, and yet we can always find something to be thankful for. The moment we stop being a people of gratitude is the moment that we begin actually to die. All right? There's something that shrivels up. When we are grateful, it doesn't mean, you know, I, I, we're going to be into the book of James this week. And uh, consider it pure joy, my brethren, when you face trials of every kind. Uh, we'll get to that this week, all right? Stay tuned. If you're not able to watch it, it'll be on my Facebook. You can watch it in the evenings. Um, now, I live in, I've, I used to live in northern Ontario, in North Bay, in Sudbury, Cape Royal, and sometimes it can be pretty cold. And um, there's sometimes you wake, wake up and you go out and your car won't start, Mario. <laughs> You know, it just, just, just dies. Joe, have you ever had that happen? All right. Anybody had your car too cold, won't start? All right. And what, in the UK? Come on. It can't get too cold over there. Anyway. Uh, what's that? Once. Okay. <laughs> anyway, um, you know, at that moment, it's not very easy to say, hallelujah, my car won't start. Yay. <laughs> All right? Uh, there are times that it's difficult to give thanks, difficult to be grateful. But you know what? We can praise God. Well, you can just, there's been times my car hasn't started and says, God, thank you because 
you're going to start this car. You're going to uh, give me a lift. You're going to, you, you know, somehow or other. And it always happens your car doesn't start when you need it to go somewhere urgent. <laughs> you know, it's not like you have to go to, maybe you're always going somewhere urgent. But anyway, all right. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, during uh, the, the time of World War II in Germany, the famous preacher, um, uh, he said this, uh, it is only with gratitude that life becomes rich. Just think about that. There are some, that, that's something you can think on. And I meditate on these types of quotes, and there's one I'm going to uh, base my whole message on here in a few moments. A.W. Tozer, powerful preacher and author, Gratitude is an offering precious in the sight of God. Did you know that when you're grateful, you're offering God an offering? Especially if it's hard (laughs) and it's tough. That's an incredible sacrifice and an offering. And he goes on, and it is one that the poorest of us can make and be not poor but richer for having made it. Now that, whew. That's deep. Corey Tenbloom. She was uh, the hiding place. If you haven't seen the book or read the movie, it's on YouTube. Three hours long. It's one of the best. I have held many things in my hands, and I've lost them all. She was in the concentration camp for hiding Jews. But whatever I've placed in God's hand, that I still possess. Isn't that deep? Just a couple more. Andrew Murray, the man of great prayer, the turn of the 1900s, says this, Let us thank God heartily as oft as we pray that we may have his spirit in us to teach us to pray. Thanksgiving will draw our hearts out to God and keep us engaged with him. He concludes this statement by saying, It will take our attention off ourselves and give the spirit room in our hearts. You know, if you're constantly all about you, your attention's not on the Lord. No matter what you're going through, marital discord, right, issues with children, finance, if you put it on the Lord and you begin to lift him up, watch what will happen. Billy Graham says this, a spirit of thankfulness is one of the most distinct marks of a Christian. One of the most, it's one of the distinct marks of a Christian. It's very easy to complain. The Jewish people complained in the wilderness, the Israelis. Are we complainers or are we thankers? What are we? Whose heart is attuned to the Lord. Thank God in the midst of trials and every persecution. Now, I've I've saved the the last one for now because this is by a person named Jonathan Edwards. Not the Jonathan Edwards, but a Jonathan Edwards. Anyway, he's a great revivalist, all right? And so Jonathan Edwards calls the deeper primary form of thanksgiving, quote, gracious gratitude. Isn't that amazing? Gracious gratitude. In fact, gratitude, uh, one of the definitions of gratitude is grace. 
all right? Gracious gratitude. He goes on and says a bunch of other things, but we'll hear from him next week. How's that? Uh, Monday night. Um, I read a post online this week that has really moved me, and it, when I woke up this, at about 3 or 3.30 this morning, it's where I, begin, where, I, where I begin this message for today. All that, as Dr. Russ would say, is, hi, how are you doing? This week, I read a post, and I have been meditating for the last three days on this saying. Let, let, let me say, I, um, kind of similar, um, but I, when I'm in my 20s, before I became a Christian, I used to go to self-improvement and uh, seminars, you know, Think and Grow Rich and all these different types of positive thinking seminars and whatnot. And in one of them uh, was a person, and they had a poster, and I bought the poster, and I bought a second one for my parents, and, and I had this poster up on my wall, and the poster read, uh, don't focus on the problem, focus on the solution, all right? And for since I've been in my 20s, I have been one that's, I'm not going to put all my energy on this is the problem. I'm going to put all my energy in. How can we solve the problem? All right? It's easy just to say, I, you know, I don't have money to pay the rent. I don't have money to pay the mortgage. I don't have money to pay. It's easy to, Lord, now I can say, Lord, back then I'm saying, okay, how can I solve this issue? Can I get another job? Can I ask my parents? Can I take a loan? Can I work? extra hours? Can I uh, budget better? Can I, 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 how can I solve the, the, this issue? All right? And so now, ha having met the Lord, I now I can say, Lord, what is a solution? And he can begin to give us solutions to our problems. Well, this one is similar, uh, but it's even greater. So the post was, and I probably will post this in the next day or so, uh, big miracles, think about this. This is, this is profoundly deep. Simple, but profoundly deep. Some of the simplest statements can be very deep. Big miracles can only happen when you have big problems. That's what this message is going to be about. We're going to look at some big problems and how God came through with big miracles. All right? Um, so big miracles uh, are the result only from big problems. And the Bible is full. Let's look at one of the most poignant ones. And I'm only going to touch on this. We could spend all day uh, on this one, but I got a lot more ground to cover. Remember, there's a shotgun wedding. Uh, wedding. <laughs> shotgun message. No, no wedding here. Glory to God. All right, Moses, the reluctant deliverer. I stutter. I can't do anything. Well, anyway, ten plagues. The people are coming out of Egypt. You know, can you imagine the joy of these people? They're leaving. Four hundred thirty years they've been in bondage, and they're leaving. All right, and the joy. They're not leaving poor. They're, they're they've been heaped up with all this gold and metal, precious. Gems, wasn't that a great message last week on all these gems and everything, jewels? If you haven't listened to it, you've got to go and hear the message from last week with Donna uh, Batista. 
And, uh, and so they, they're going out in the desert. They have just plundered Egypt. And they're led to an impossible situation. Have you ever felt like you, you've been led into an impossible situation? I can't get rid of this. There's something. There's an addiction. There's a problem. There's a, an issue. There's a person. There's a company. There's, a, th- th- there's just something too big. I, Lord, why did you, you lead me down this path? Well, that great celebration leaving Egypt, that great, you know, you, you look at uh, the Ten Commandments and move and you see that as they're leaving, there's great, uh, they're thinking that then in the next week they're going to be in the promised land and then they end up being out in the desert for 40 years, facing lots of problems. But they come to the, the Red Sea and they can't get across and then the Egyptian army are coming in behind them and they're trapped. Did you take us out of Egypt so that we could die in the desert? They cry out to Moses, and Moses, the leader, it's like, oh, Lord, what do we do now? And then the Lord says, take your staff. What do you got in your hands? Use it. All right? And he divides the Red Sea. It came from a big problem. Ah, what are we going to do, God? We're trapped. Have you ever felt like you're trapped? There's no way out. You know, you can't see any way out of your problem, out of your situation, out of your family uh, scenario. You know, l- l- let, me just, uh, let me just take a little commercial break here. I was going to go in in the middle of the night. I was thinking about my wife. All right. Anybody, any guys wake up in the middle of the night and think about your wife, okay? And how grateful I am and how wonderful she is and, and, and uh, you know, and, and I, I, I just went on a whole thing of all the great things I could say about her. And I thought, you know, if I, I, could, I could say that and then get some brownie points because Iris is here, you know, and, and all that. But uh, I don't have time to go through them all uh, except to say I have a great wife and we have a great marriage, but it's not perfect. We have some issues. And maybe next week I'll expand on that or maybe Victoria will, will shut it down before I get there. But... Uh, we, we've, had some big, we've had some big problems in our marriage, both between us and in circumstances around us. But we've seen God do some big miracles. And we continue to see God. All right? It's, it's about being committed to each other and to him. And he does a lot of great things. So Moses has got this big problem. But you know what? God came through. Not only did they cross over on the land, but they took care of the problem forever. The army, right? Then, then they had other big problems. They're, they're out in the desert and they got no water. I've been in the desert in the Middle East with no water. It's not fun. It is not fun. I've been hours out in the desert in, in, in the wilderness. We went through all of our water, all right? And we were hours before we could get back to another place where we get some water. I'm telling you, it is not pleasant when you're thirsty, when you're really, 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 really thirsty, going hours without water. Um, but here they are going days without water. Big problem. I mean, we're talking several million people, no water, and we're at the point three or four days in. You're in the point three or four days you can't live without water. And you, you've taken them out of that place. What does God do? Tells them to strike the rock, and out comes water. Not just a little trickle, but enough to, 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 to meet the needs uh, two, three, four million people. And it, and it flowed for as long as they needed it. Then they had a problem with food. Mo- and 
God brought the, the manna, and on and on and on, all right? And so I want to emphasize we're on the edge. We are on the, the prefaces of some great miracles. And we're going to begin to believe to see them today. Again, I wanted to preach a real lovey-dovey type of Thanksgiving message today. Uh, but I, I think we need to press down. And if you need a miracle today, I'm going to be here to pray. I'm, be, I'm being told by my wife that our Thanksgiving meal is not till 4 o'clock. All right. And Jonathan Edwards is joining us, so he's free till 4 o'clock. All right. And so we're going to be here to pray for people right after the service. If you want prayer, we're going to believe. Then we're going to Tim's. Tony, you got to join us, okay? When we're all finished here, you, the three of us are going to Tim's. All right? Because Jonathan and Tony want to go to Tim's. All right? I don't know what's at Tim's. I don't like coffee, so I don't understand it. All right? So if you want to turn in the book, your book, uh, your book, Acts chapter... 19, and I have 20 minutes to finish this message, and I have two hours of material. Turn to Acts chapter 16, verse 31. I, I want to talk about some big problems in the New Testament and some really big answers. Let me read this verse here. The jailer says to him in verse 30, What must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you shall be saved, you and your household. I want to say right here, you and your household. We're believing for today. We're believing for family salvation. Amen? That might be one of our biggest concerns as families is my son, my daughter, my grandchildren. My parents are not serving God. We're ready for a miracle. We're in the season of a miracle of household salvation. Amen? But let's give the backdrop to this. All right? There's an incredible backstory to this. If you start at the beginning of the chapter, uh, it's the Macedonian call. Paul had his eyes on where to go and what to do, and he had it all planned out. Just like this message, God interrupted him in the night. If you look in verse... Um, let me get my other glasses to read here. In verse 9, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A certain man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him, saying, Come over to Macedonia. Paul had no, uh, no idea that he was going to go there. He had his route already planned out. But then God interrupted him and sent an angel. And help us. And when he seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia and preach the gospel. All right? And then when he went into to, uh, Philip, listen to the verse in, in uh, verse 12. From there to uh, Philippi, uh, which is the leading city of the district of Macedonia, a Roman colony. We were staying in the city for some days. All right? And they went to the riverside. That's the custom uh, where believers would meet, Jewish believers. And then there was a girl named Lydia. The first, how about the first person in, in Europe was, uh, was a woman that got saved, a, 
uh, a well-to-do lady, all right? And then uh, they began to, uh, ministering for a number of days or weeks. And then in verse 22, and the crowd rose up against them. All right, they're in the public square. They're preaching Christ. You know, you know when you preach Christ somewhere, you can have every host of, uh, of, of heaven, demonic, trying to come against you. All right? And, um, and uh, they proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. And when they inflicted many blows upon them, how about that? He gets a call to go to Macedonia. He gets a couple of people saved, and now they're being beaten. This is a serious problem. All right? Uh, when was the last time you were beaten with rods for sharing the gospel? They threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. Throw away the key. They put their feet into stocks. I mean, they're, 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 they're in a prison, and they're in stocks, not stocks and bonds. I read all this, and maybe it is. And then at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. They've been beaten. They have sore backs. They're in uncomfortable situations. You know, uh, there might be a part on their body that itches. Have you ever itching and you can't itch that part? It starts to drag, you know. Uh, you, you know, they're, they're, there's, there's maybe they had too much pain other ways to worry about an itch. Um, and so they, they're, they're in this place, and what do they do? They begin to praise God. Whatever situation you find yourself in, whatever difficult place you find yourself in, how about you begin to praise God? How about you begin to cry out to God? How about you say, God, in this marriage, in this situation, I'm going to praise you. In this circumstance, <coughs> in financial and health, in relational issues, I'm going to praise you no matter what's going on. Amen. And what happens? That immediately the foundations in verse 26, an earthquake happened and foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone, all the chains. And nobody was hurt. It didn't, you know, you see about all these mines and all that and movies and whatnot and, the, and there's a tumble, you hear about it in the news, but nobody was hurt. Just the doors and the shackles came off. That's a very unique creative miracle. An incredible miracle. They had a big problem. The jailer comes in. The jailer was told to keep them tight. Don't let them go. Now they're all loosed. <clears throat> he came out. He was expecting them all to be gone. And he sees, and then he was going to uh, kill himself. If all, the, if all the prisoners were out, he was as good as dead. And so he's got a big problem. So Paul... And uh, Silas had a big problem, and God answered it with an earthquake. Now the jailer's got a big problem because all these prisoners have been escaped, and he's going to have to answer for it, so he's about to kill himself because that's his big problem. And that's the answer in the world right now. If you don't have a solution, all right, take your life. And suicide rates are going through the roof now, folks. Yeah. All right, we need to be there. We need to be messengers of hope to people that don't have hope right now. And, um, and so anyway... Um, he says, what must I do to be saved? And instead of killing himself that day, his whole family got saved. Wow. Look over to chapter 19, another big problem. 
Paul at Ephesus. Ephesus was a, an incredibly uh, main metropolitan city in Turkey. Uh, uh, Macedonian is up in that Turkey area. And folks, we're going to hear a lot more about Turkey. Keep your eyes on Turkey right now. A lot of the end time stuff is going to happen in and through Turkey. All right? And, um, and so anyway, he's in Ephesus. He spent a couple of years there. And uh, he has some powerful encounters. And then it says here in verse 11, And God, was, this was the verse that God gave me in the middle of the night last night. And God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. Now, I would be happy with the ordinary miracles Paul was doing. The or just the average everyday miracles that Paul was doing, getting people saved, you know, and 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 you know. But he was doing extraordinary. We're coming into, there's a shift and we're coming into extraordinary miracles that are going to begin to happen. Come on out next week. We're going to begin to see. Bring, don't, don't come alone next Monday and Tuesday night. Bring somebody. Bring somebody that needs a touch of heaven. Whether they're saved, whether they're not saved, whether they're nominal, whether they're backslidden. <clears throat> they need healing miracle. Uh, they're Muslim. They're Hindu. Uh, they're an atheist. Bring them out. Say, we have a meeting. God can meet your need. Why don't you give God a chance? Come on out and hear this man from Wales. He's a little crazy, but I think you like him. All right? He's a little unorthodox. Let's let, you know what? Bring somebody out that has a big problem. Whether it's financial or healing or children. Come on. Today, we're going to see some miracles happen today. Listen, Friday night. Friday night, we're just six of us in a prayer meeting. And God did a miracle. We had one guy that's been suffering with this, uh, uh, and was off work all week. And, um, but he came out. Can you imagine? Here's this guy suffering with pain in his, in his shoulder. Pulled a muscle in his back, and he's been off work all week. But he still came out to the prayer meeting. All right? And at the end of the prayer meeting, the five, six was came around him. We laid hands. And next thing you know, he's, he's, he's able to lift his hands up. He couldn't do that. He couldn't do that for a week. Apparently, I shouldn't do that. All right. I'll do one hand. Then the other hand. God can do extraordinary miracles. He can touch. He can heal. Mo and Donna, when you guys go back down to the DR... You've already seen incredible, ordinary miracles uh, and, and probably some extraordinary. Expect an expansion of that as you begin to birth your church down there in the DR. All right? Boy, where's the time going here? And so we got a riot. There's a silversmith. They're, they're, they're the god of Artemis, Diana. And, and they're, they're, they're touching this. And listen to this in verse... Um, um, uh, 35, 34, when they recognized that he was a Jew, single, a single outcry, all of a sudden they're all in different factions. Now they're focused as they shouted for two hours, great is Artemis of Ephesus. Frenzy for two hours. Is there any other type of religion that cries out great is 
You can finish it off. After quieting the multitude, the, the, the town clerk said, Men of Ephesus, what man is there after all who does not know the city of Ephesus is the guardian of the temple of the great Artemis? And the image which fell from down from heaven was a meteorite. Let, let me just put out, there's, I, I don't even want to say it's speculation. It is in all likelihood the black stone that is worshipped in Mecca. And I'm just going to leave that right there. I've studied this. I've looked at that. That And great is Artemis. Great is what is the phrase that people are saying. All right. Uh, you, can put, you can connect the dots there. That's not this message today. All right. But that we're going to have, right now what happens when, when uh, a speaker goes to university campus and they don't like his politics or his faith, there's a group that's shouting them down. This is happening everywhere. It's been going on. I, I saw when I was even single. We were involved in uh, the, uh, some protests about uh, stuff for the teachers' education in downtown Toronto, and all of a sudden, in unison, they stood up. I was at Canada Christian College, a group of them waiting for a moment to stand up and start heckling and shouting. This is a, this is a mode of operandus. They don't want dialogue. Today's world does not want dialogue. They know what they, they believe, they know what they, they stand for, and they don't want any dialogue or discussion. All right? There's none. Anyway, I'm, I don't want to get down that point too, too far. All right, so we have this riot that's going to happen. They've been beaten with, uh, with uh, um, uh, uh, you know, they, they, they have been uh, imprisoned. They, they have uh, um, been in danger, all right? And, um, and so anyway, let's leave there and then look a little bit more at Ephesus. And I've got about eight minutes to wrap this up because turkeys will start burning if I don't. Careful. Slip over to the, God, the, the, the uh, um, epistle of the Ephesians. Not only in these problems in Philippi and Ephesus uh, did Paul have great problems. Out of them came some great lessons and some teaching in the form of the book of Philippians. What does Paul say? Rejoice. He's in stock and barn, bonds again in the or he's in prison again in, in in Rome and he says rejoice and again I say rejoice this guy's been in prison more times than all the rest of us put together probably and yet he says rejoice rejoice and we get that cute little song rejoice in the Lord all right but it but he but he but he's in prison he's going through some rough stuff and yet he writes some epistles, these prison epistles. And he writes this. In the midst of this frenzy, of this riot in <coughs> Ephesus, he learns some lessons about what it means to take a stand for Christ. And he begins to, to put this onto paper that we have here now. It's not head knowledge. It's what he has experienced in deep demonic uh, strongholds and cities where he stayed in Ephesus. He stayed for two years. And, and I've got a great big book, about this big, just all on the pictures of Ephesus. And I've read through it, and I don't have time to go into it all. 
uh, right now. I have, I have done it in the past, but look at verse 10. This is some of the lessons he learned. Chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord. In these last days, folks, we're going to have to be strong in the Lord because there is persecution. Listen, the pandemic was a blessing. What we are about to go through in these end times in the next few months or years is going to be uh, so much greater than whatever we went through in this pandemic. God is trying to shake the church up and say, wake up, folks. I like what May said that she, she contrasted the wokeness with the weakness. In the Bible, it's always talking about be alert, be awake. And this time we have woke. And she, she, she equated the, the people on the woke are serving the harlot of Revelation. And she went in, that's two Mondays ago. You got to go listen to that message. And the people that are awake are the bride. It's a contrast right now we're seeing between the harlot and the bride. And there's, she, she went into that in great depth. You got to go listen to that message. By the way, Johnny has, has uh, just this week begun to put all of our messages uh, from here on in on a podcast. You can get them on any, any of Spotify, Apple, and a, a zillion others. In fact, I think they might have been on the, uh, there we go, podcast right there. Look at that. Podcast sermons. So the first one was Dr. Russ last. Uh, so you can pull that up when you're driving or whatever and listen. And so all the services. And where, is that Amelia? Amelia? Is that, no, that's... It was Amelia. Okay, now it's Marissa. Amelia is going to be doing them every week. She's going to be transitioning them. So when you see Amelia, give her a high five. All right. And another thing, just uh, uh, Ian, make sure you give Ian a, a, a hand and thank Ian. So I'm pointing over. What's that? Yeah, I know we got communion. And we've got to do communion in just a moment here, everyone. So be fine, strong in the Lord. You read the rest of the chapter. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil right now. All right? For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against powers, against world uh, leaders of darkness, against spiritual forces of wick wickedness. You know what? They've been exposed. The pandemic exposed the spiritual high forces and the elites and what their agenda is. Uh, I believe it's, it's, uh, it's going to come to naught, uh, but it will take root at some point for seven years, but I, I personally don't believe it's going to happen right now. Stand firm, having girded your loins and with truth and all the different things, a sword, all right, because of time I won't go through it, all right, but then go over to Revelations chapter Two, and, I, and I'm concluding here. Revelations chapter 2. This is all Thanksgiving. Listen, let's thank God for this pandemic because now we are awake. The church has arisen. We are alive. We are expecting the soon return of our King of Kings. And we're not just looking to escape. Before the pandemic, we were looking to escape and get out of here. 
Now the church is waking up. Now it's time for us to rise and shine. Let the light of the Lord come upon us and let us do the works that he's called us to do and to get the lost saved. That, we're, 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 we're alert. We're going. We're going for it. Come on. We ain't seen anything yet. Now look at this. This is the first church, and we, uh, we believe that this could be the first church in the, the first year of tribulation. And we're certainly seeing it right now. Great church, an awesome church. You can read about it the first six verses, all right, first five verses. And then in, uh, in verse uh, four, it says, but I have this thing against you. You've left your first love. The pandemic has showed us the love temperature. Are we red hot for Jesus? Are we lukewarm? Are we, where, where's our temperature at? I know, I know that it's, a, it's something that I fight all the time to stay on fire for Jesus. If you pull yourself off, two years of, of being outside of church has caused an awful lot of people, their fire to diminish or even go out. You take a log, I love campfire, you take a log that's burning and, you know, just totally alive, you take it off and you put it on the, uh, on the ground away from the fire, doesn't take very long for it to go dead. We need to be part of the body of Christ, all right? I thank God we have the ability for those to get blessed online, and we're certainly glad for that, but it doesn't take the place of getting together and gathering together, all right? And, um, and so it says, here, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit of God is saying, all right? Let us... Bible says in chapter 10 of John, my sheep hear my voice. Are you listening for his voice? All right. I'm going to ask the ushers to come and hand out communion at this point. And I want to share one last thought. And uh, then we will conclude and we'll have a time of prayer. And you can go check your turkeys at home and, and all that good stuff. Um, but I had a really profound revelation this week. And um, about heaven. I don't know about you, but I have been thinking about heaven quite a bit the last two or three years, maybe the pandemic, I don't know. I, I don't want to go a day before I'm supposed to, but I am so looking forward to being with Jesus for eternity. All right? And uh, anyway, in uh, Revelations 21, verse 4, it talks about that he will dry every tear and remove all our sorrows, and it goes on and on. And, and certainly from a, a personal perspective, that is something really to look forward to, that we're not going to have any more fear. We're not going to have any more pain in heaven. It, it's going to be glorious. But here's the, here's the thought that I had this week, is I don't know about you, you know, uh, um, Victoria and her sister Iris, you know, they've never messed up in their life, okay? I mean, they're, they're just perfect. Um, that we can only try to arise uh, uh, to their level of, of perfection. Of course, I'm kidding. But not, not, uh, not very much. Um, but most of the rest of us, we know what it's like to miss the mark. And can, can you just wave your hand? If you, you know, we, we, we've missed... We've missed God. Sin, uh, grieving the Holy Spirit, uh, disappointing God, um, failure. 
Every one of us has missed God. And, um, but you know what it hit me this week about Wednesday or Thursday this week? I think it was Wednesday, maybe Tuesday. Nobody's ever preached this. I've never heard it, so I know it has to be from the Holy Spirit. You know what, why I'm really happy to go to heaven? One of the things, and may become the biggest reason, is because I'm never going to disappoint God anymore. Think about that. I've never thought of that before. I'm never going to sin in heaven. Therefore, I'm never going to grieve him anymore. I'm never going to disappoint him. That for all eternity, I will be perfect because he, of his righteousness and his blood. And it will be worked out in perfection in my life. And I never will cause him pain ever again in my life, in my existence. Now, that's, that's, that has got me thinking. Amen? Now, I don't want to go to heaven a day before I'm supposed to. All right, I want to be down here, just like, just like Paul said, it's uh, better for me to go to heaven, but it's better for you if I remain. All right, it's better uh, that I'm down here talking about Jesus until that moment that I get the heavenward call. And I'm not looking forward to, uh, to missing one day down here. Praise God. Praise God. So we're going to take communion right now, and I just want you to, we want to have a time of prayer here. Praise God. Praise God. Just bow your heads. We're going to pray for healing, but we're also going to pray. For anyone that needs prayer right now. I don't know where all of you are right now. I know I mess up. I know that I have to repent. It's quite a frequent occurrence in my life. <laughs> uh, read daily, where I realize I fall short of the mark of God. And if you're like me, maybe you're, you've fallen short. Maybe you would say, you know, this week or this month and last year, the last five years, I've, I've really missed God. I've really disappointed God. I've done something. I've said something to someone that hurt them. And before we take communion, we're just going to get right with the Lord. Is that okay? Maybe you're here today or online watching. You've never even given your heart to Jesus ever before. And so we're going to give you this opportunity to commit your life to the Lord. So I'm going to encourage you to say this prayer after me. Saying a prayer doesn't make you a Christian unless the words that you speak are really yours. So when you say this prayer, even if you've said them many times, make it real today. Make it real. Let's say this prayer. Lord Jesus, I come today a sinner in need of grace. I'm sorry for things that I've done that have grieved your spirit. I look forward to heaven when I will never hurt you again. But until then, I ask you to wash and cleanse me of all transgressions 
of all iniquity, of all sin in my life. I acknowledge you as Lord and Savior of my life. Come into my heart. Change me. Rearrange my priorities. Transform my life into the image of God. I set my eyes and my focus on Jesus. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I pray. Amen. And on that night, he took the bread. This Passover supper, he took the bread and he broke it. This is that Seder meal. He broke the bread. We're about to break bread, many of us, either yesterday, today, or tomorrow with family. But he said, whenever you gather, remember me. At your gatherings today or tomorrow or at Christmas or whenever you gather, remember the Lord. That's why we say grace is to remember the Lord. He says, uh, this is my body that's broken for you. He's about 12 hours away from his body being nailed on a cross. But he said that same night, he says, I have desired this night. It's not like a condemned man eating steak and potatoes for the last meal and fearing death the next morning. This is a celebration to him that he, all eternity they have planned that God, the Trinity, has planned this time for redemption for you and I. And he says, this is my body broken for you. When you get together, mealtimes, when you get together with each other, or when you're alone and you want to have fellowship with me, remember me by breaking bread and taking a little piece. This is my body. Let's take together. There's nothing good in me but in Christ. And I think each of us could say the same thing. Amen. Praise God. God bless you. We hope you were blessed by this message. Join us again next week for episodes three and four with timely messages from Pastor John Irving and Evangelist Jonathan Edwards. See you then.